Welcome to OxPods, the podcast by students and their professors at the University of Oxford. Mortality is an important measure of population health by determining a population's life expectancy and lifetime uncertainty. Violence is a major factor on these indicators and presents a huge and persisting problem to the population well-being of many regions. Today, I'm here with Jose Manuel Arbuto, an Associate Professor at the Oxford Centre of Demographic Science, to discuss the underappreciated importance of violence on population health. Hi Jose, thank you so much for joining us today on OxPods. Could we perhaps start off by discussing what demography is and why demographers might be interested in mortality? Yes, thank you Mia for the invitation. Uh, Demography is a discipline that studies population dynamics. So this concerns births, migration and also deaths. And mortality is very important in, in the analysis of demographic change because it accounts for most of the changes in the population. So demographers have devoted a lot of their time on developing techniques and also analyzing different mortality scenarios across the globe. So why might demographers use life uncertainty as a measure to understand mortality? Well, this is a very interesting question. Historically, demographers have studied mortality using life expectancy. Now, life expectancy at birth is the average years that a person is expected to live given a mortality profile in a given year. So as an average, it conceals all the variation around when we will die. And this variation is actually quite substantial. And it's quite substantial in countries and populations with high premature levels of mortality. So what this means is that those countries that tend to have lower levels of life expectancy also experience higher uncertainty in the age at death. And this can have important implications on decisions over the life course. For example, when to retire, when to invest in education, when to buy a house. These are decisions that we make thinking that we will not die. However, there are countries, especially those that are suffering from high levels of violence and conflict, where people do not actually know where they will survive in 10 years, 15 years, and 20 years. So lifetime uncertainty, also known as lifespan inequality, is then a measure that complements life expectancy and gives a more complete picture of a mortality profile in a country. And what would the demographic perspective of violence be on mortality and in particular lifetime uncertainty? Absolutely. So there's many regions in the world where violence is very high. And this violence comes in different uh, types. For example, it can come in terms of homicide rates. It can come on deaths related to conflict and war. For example, one of the main issues nowadays is the invasion of Russia in Ukraine. And this will end up on being uh, a very high toll on premature mortality. We have also regions like Latin America that has the highest homicide rate in the world. And in these countries, particularly males, are being killed at very young ages. And this premature mortality then increases lifetime uncertainty. And we have found that, for example, violence is actually more related to lifetime uncertainty than life expectancy, which highlights highlights the importance of measurement of lifetime uncertainty in contexts of high violence and conflict. It also highlights the major public health issue that violence is in in the world. So it, these countries, they account for a substantial part of the of the population in the world, and we have found, for example, that people live even 
14 years less on average than a person that would live in a peaceful country, for example. That's really interesting. Um, Could we narrow this down and talk about the role of violence as a public health issue in somewhere like Mexico, which I know you've researched? Yes. So, So what we expect in every country in the world is that life expectancy increases. No? This means that people are experiencing better condition in terms of public health, health care, as well as mortality improvements. However, there are some parts of the world where life expectancy has not improved in the last years. And one of these countries is Mexico. So Mexico, since 2006, has experienced an unprecedented rise of violence, especially in terms of homicide rates. So to give you some context between 2007 and 2011, the homicide rates more than doubled. This means that the consequences of rising violence in Mexico are actually comparable and even larger than those experienced by the U.S. troops in Iraq between 2003 and 2006. And as demographers, we're obviously interested on evaluating or quantifying what's the impact of this increased violence on population health measures from a public health perspective. So in this case, we found that life expectancy in Mexico did not increase in the last couple of decades, basically, because of the increased violence. No? And this is unprecedented. So this is comparable to, to wars and conflicts. Nevertheless, this is not necessarily classified as a conflict, but the consequences are very similar. Why is there so much violence in Mexico? And what impact does that have on lifetime uncertainty? Yes. Um, so. The wave of violence in Mexico started in 2006 when the president back then enacted a policy that allowed the army to mitigate drug cartels operations. So what this created was a nocive cycle of violence because what would happen is that the army would mitigate one drug cartel's operations, but then this will create an incentive for neighboring cartels to take over. So then this created even more violence. At the same time, the drug trade with Colombia and the U.S. is quite controlled in the same period, which means that if Mexican cartels can um, send the drugs towards the U.S., then the price multiplies by a very high factor. So this creates another incentive. So if you put all these pieces together, the consequence is just an unprecedented increase in violence, which have has told this in, in terms of homicides, but, but violence affects much more health beyond homicide rates. No? So one aspect is lifetime uncertainty. This means that people do live with, more, more, with much more unpredictability on when we, we will survive in the future. Uh, like I said, this can have implications in, in life course decisions, but also it has quite a toll on mental health issues. It is known, for example, that uh, violence as a social determinant of health, being exposed to it, uh, can create these intergenerational cycles. For example, if a child is exposed to violence in, in their home, it is most likely that they will also externalize violence when they become adults. Um, people that are exposed to violence have also higher rates of suicides, higher rates of post-traumatic stress disorders, so mental health issues in general. And there's even some research linking that being exposed to violence, not necessarily being a victim, just being exposed, can also lead to higher cardiovascular diseases in adulthood. So this kind of paints the picture that violence really goes much more beyond what demographers are looking at. It's not only mortality, it's health. And a lot of this is also 
quite differently affecting females and males. So homicide rates are 10 times higher among males and females. But if we think of the invisible scars of violence, so for example, feeling insecure, not going out, or not letting your children go out to the parks, it's actually much more higher among females. So there's also these different pathways that affect, in which violence is affecting differently genders and also different age groups. As a human scientist, the social determinants of health are a very interesting example of the interdisciplinary nature of these issues. Could we discuss how the life course perspective adds to understanding the interdisciplinary nature of mortality? Yes, so so there's definitely many efforts from from demographers and also other social scientists on looking at the consequences of violence from a life course perspective. And one example is 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 being victim of violence also when you're a child can also become in much more violence when you become adult. It can also become in the likelihood of becoming more a victim of violence too, uh, suicide rates, um, and also you might be more likely to externalize, for example, violence against your wife once you become an adult and get married and so on. So this is like the life course perspective that can that can be analyzed with the data that we have. Um, there is also some evidence potentially that even being in the when your mom is pregnant, if she's exposed to 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 violence, this might have also consequences for you over your life course. Um, so this is the perspective usually that demographers, epidemiologists, and social scientists in in general try to take from a life course perspective. Um, there's of course also differences between ages. For example, homicides tend to happen in the range between fifteen to fifty years. Uh, which means then that if you survive to 50, you are much more well off in terms of the likelihood of becoming a victim of violence that you were in the past. So all these can be looked always from different life course perspectives. So I guess it's looking at individual courses of life and seeing how those create aggregate patterns. Um, because my understanding of demography is that you you tend to be more interested in the more macro aggregate patterns that are revealed by perhaps these finer details. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I would say that that is correct. So as, as demographers, we tend to focus on population level dynamics. And one of these would be, for example, life expectancy or lifetime uncertainty. You know, we measure this at the country level, always aggregating individuals. But many of the of the patterns that we try to disentangle come actually from individual level data. For example, causes of death or whether we're interested on measuring what proportion of life on average is lived, feeling vulnerable of becoming a victim of violence. And, and nowadays there's also a more sociological demography. And this and this new, not new, but this, this new kind of subfield also looked a lot at individual level statistics. No? So more from a, a survival analysis perspective, which is using more statistical methods rather than demographic methods. However, what I think is the beauty of demography is that it's a very flexible um, discipline. No? So as a demographer, you can talk very easily with anthropologists, sociologists, statisticians, epidemiologists. So we're always trying to build bridges with different uh, disciplines in order to understand better uh, whatever we're interested in, whether it's violence, whether it's mortality, whether it's fertility. We try to always link as demographers with other disciplines. Returning to violence, what would demographers and perhaps inputs from other disciplines suggest to help solve the issue of violence as a health issue? 
Yeah, so so demographers are concerned usually in descriptive patterns. No? So we like to describe things. And then the next step is explaining them. So I think to make this even more policy relevant is really to find the causes, to see like the pathways through which we can decrease these cycles of violence. Um, I mean, one of the main solutions that is always the answer to many social problems is education. No, so we need to have higher levels of education, better socioeconomic conditions, reduce inequalities, no, in order for, for example, to disincentivize people from becoming gang members or cartel members and so on. So I think that's the next step. Um, another thing that I think is needed in, in research especially is the awareness of these things happening. So a lot of research funds go to other problems that are also important, but I don't think people have really um, think about the, the magnitude of the problem that we are facing. So to give you a perspective, over half a million young males have died in the last 10 years in Latin America where homicide has been listed as a cause. So think about the size of Oxford. No, this is twice. The, the, the size of Oxford and these are people that did not get the chance to do a degree in Oxford that did not get the chance to do a master's no, these are young males that basically were wiped out in the span of 10 years and, and I think this is a massive massive failure of many policy implementations and of this increased violence. Being such a widespread issue it may be useful to focus um, on one area so how would we perhaps reduce the mortality impact of violence in Mexico? Yeah, so the Mexican case is beyond beyond what I said already. It's also more complex because it's a country also that has very high levels of corruption. So in order to have also effective policies, uh, we need a government that is not corrupted. And, and how to make a very corrupted country uh, a new one is very, very difficult. So I think definitely education can, can hit in both sides, violence and also corruption. Um, specifically, we also, I think the making or giving so much power to the army was a failure, um, especially in a context where, where arms and, and guns are sometimes even better among drug cartels, for example. Um, because the, the consequences of this have gone beyond drug cartel members and army members. Now there's spillovers to the civil population that have been affected quite widely. Now increased violence comes also with other things that increase, for example, kidnapping rates, extortion rates. Now, and these are high impact crimes. These are, these are crimes that put fear into the population. So like I said, these things are also then manifested in, in detrimental consequences on health. In, in in the people. So so I think the Mexican case is more complex. I think there's a lot to be done, but I don't think there's an easy solution or an easy um, thing that could be implemented to really drive down what has been going on for the last almost two decades. What about lifetime uncertainty? Are there ways that you've seen help to reduce something like lifetime uncertainty in particular? Um, yeah, so so I think one of the what we can learn from demographic analysis is that in order to reduce lifetime uncertainty, what we need to do is prioritize younger deaths. So if we save premature deaths, if we save deaths that are happening at younger ages, you reduce quite substantially lifetime uncertainty. And this is what we observed in in the 
countries where people live the longest. So if we look at, for example, Japan, Spain, uh, Italy, these countries tend to have systematically also the lowest levels of lifetime uncertainty. And this is because in, in my research, especially during, the, during my doctoral training, we found that if we prioritize premature death, so people dying at younger ages, then we reduce both lifetime uncertainty substantially, but also we increased the most life expectancy in a country, which is, I think, ultimate goals of, of any country in the world, really. This has been so interesting. And I wonder if we could just finish up by summarising what the wide implications of violence are on lifetime uncertainty and population health. Yes. So so I would rephrase this of as lifetime uncertainty being the ultimate inequality that someone can experience because there's no coming back from it. Um, this, at the same time, can have substantial consequences both in health and mortality. So this highlights the need of both violence and lifetime uncertainty need to be studied from a social determinant of health perspective. No, because these two are interconnected and these two also have potential implications for our future health, our future lives, no, in terms of what you said, better health outcomes, lowering mortality and making also improvements more evenly shared within a population. So I think those would be like the wider kind of consequences and also ultimate goals of policymakers and demographers in lowering lifetime uncertainty while increasing quality of life and length of life. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about your research speciality of lifetime uncertainty and violence on population health. It's been a pleasure to have you, Jose. Thank you for listening to this episode of Oxpods. If you enjoyed it, please do recommend to a friend and check out our episodes from other channels too. To keep up to date with episode releases, to suggest ideas for new episodes, or to get involved with recording, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or go straight to our website at www.oxpods.co.uk. Thank you.